0: This time last year, we opened the podcast with, it's Christmas. We did.
1: And it's Christmas again. It was a berry Christmas last year, a frank berry Christmas. <laughs> this year, it's we're a... Fergal rocking around the Christmas <laughs> tree. Uh, oh, the bad jokes have rubbed off on me.
0: I just got a notification <laughs> on my phone from my taxi here for you. It says oh, it's right
1: outside. It's right outside.
0: Yeah, right now. You can't. I'm the worst. You can't talk to that. (laughs) No, sorry. Yeah, I'm the the puns and master. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our end of year episode
1: of F&I Rap Chat. Yeah, the final episode of 2018. But don't worry, we will be back um, probably towards the end of January. And uh, yeah, as ever, please give us your feedback. Um, We've gotten some lovely emails and messages throughout the year and comments and stuff like that. Uh, People really getting what we're trying to do and basic, basically what we're trying to do is you know uh, kind of a tool and resource and something that's relevant to Irish filmmakers particularly but anyone anyone working here or mm-hmm. um, and you know and we're also you know if we have people from the UK it's very relevant and that kind of thing as well.
0: Yeah the feedback has been really fantastic and we just want to thank uh, people who have shared and and engage with us um, on, uh, on social media and also give us some testimonials and stuff. It's all very ha- helpful
1: in terms of going forward. Is there anything that you've really gleaned from it or learned, say, this year, or any particular kind of points? Or highlights?
0: Highlights. Um, well, jo- uh, Jose... Jose Mar- no, on the podcast, I was going to yeah. say, Jose Jose Marina getting sacked during in the week was a, yeah, it was yeah, a highlight. highlight for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's a uh, long time coming. Yeah, Jesus. Um, yeah, overall, I think... Um, what I've realized is, uh, just based on some of the chats that we've had on and off air with people, mm. um, I've just realized how everybody is kind of the same doing the work in earnest. Mm. Um, and, you know, everybody is like, it's quite cliched, but everybody is genuinely lovely Yeah, that we've met. Yeah. Um, and that's really humbling. Yeah. Um so that and I have a couple of highlights. I mean, some of the chats that we've had have been really fantastic. Um, and it's just nice to s- to kind of hear how other people work. Yeah. And you realize that, you know, and I'd imagine this is the same for a lot of people listening in that everybody is kind of doing the same process. There's mm. no
1: magic formula. Yeah. Um, there's no fairy dust Just putting in into work Just work Everyone is just so, Anyone who we've, who we've had on Is an incredibly hard worker Yeah, you know, yeah like That's l- what it takes Yeah, yeah What, what else is going on, Paul? Uh, yeah, so today we've got uh, Fergal Rock um, a writer, mini writer based in Berlin. Um at the moment he is the trailer for his first feature, then came you, which ch- stars Maisie Williams of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Uh Asa Butterfield, who was the kid from Hugo and he's
0: Yeah, and uh, Enders, uh, Enders Game as Enders, well. Enders yeah, yeah,
1: um Journeys End, I think big World War One thing. Oh, as that's well. right, yeah, yeah. Um Sweet. so he's yeah, and then this kind of other Nina Dobrev, who has a huge fan base, I think as well. She's got a huge future. She's gonna ahead be of huge. Her. Yeah, <laughs> go to Vegas, you. kid. <laughs> it's to be Hollywood. a big star. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, watch this space. Um, Just yeah.
0: to show you, it's not all dollars and cents. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Virgil, we, we talk about the journey to get there, and it was a long, arduous journey, and a lot of work. Yeah, um, he's constantly working, const- and very. Uh, He's very adaptable and works in all different types of genres. And yeah, he's a grafter. He's a real grafter. Yeah,
0: yeah. we so. love grafters. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah, that's great. Um, just, uh, just a side note for an FNI general, general related note. We want to thank everybody for, we really good numbers for our Christmas social beard runner. Uh the quiz la- during the week. Great fun. We, uh, just a massive thanks to Colin McKeown for being uh, at quiz host Ireland. If you want to book him, he's what? really good what? people.
1: Quizmaster, he's incredible Yeah, he, it was like the most enjoyable not just film quiz but quiz th- that I've ever done it was so well put together and I'm not just saying that
0: yeah he put a lot of work into it and it's Like uh, the feedback has just been amazing yeah. but equally uh, we'd like to take a moment to uh, thank our sponsors uh, just a massive uh, shout out there to the Cork Film Festival who've been very good to us the Richard Harris Film Festival uh, the new Irish Film School John Borman's new operation Um. Um, who else Uh, Wildcard Distribution were really kind to us as well as were SoundSpeed uh, uh, brand new um, uh, recording uh, recording company, film recording company sound obviously recording company Um, Brown Bag Films Film Equipment Hire who are always very good to us at FNI Uh, Camera Kit uh, equally Um, uh, The Galway Film Fla uh, thanks so much for that Uh, Element Pictures um, uh, and uh, Maverick uh, Films, and also our good pals at the Owl head, head, head Stuff Podcast Network. Uh, grand bunch of lads all together. We're all yeah. gone to heaven, lads. Well, hey. Uh,
1: yeah, we'd also like to give a big, huge thanks uh, to all the guests that we've had. So what, this is 43 or 44, mm. um, and some of them have been doubled. So we've probably had around 50 people on yeah. at this stage. And um, just everybody has been so kind with their time and we've made new friends just from yeah. doing this show and for example Jerry Nelson I called him up and got, got some advice off him and tips and things like that. Um and yeah, it's been it's been a just a great experience for I think for everybody and um yeah and a big thank you to the listeners for uh tuning in and uh just you know, all just support, being sound. Like, being thanks sound. for being
0: sound. Yeah. I mean, the feedback's been amazing. Equally, if you'd like to support uh, Film Network Ireland going forward, uh, hop on over to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash fni. We've lots of really interesting things happening in the new year. Lots of classes, seminars, and uh, hopefully some exciting things happening, which we shall reveal in the nineteen.
1: Yeah, very good. Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas. That we have will a we crackers. Pull, here? Will we pull yeah. a cracker. Yeah. Let's see a joke isn't there?
0: Oh. Oh, oh, the Paulies oh. won a cracker.
1: <laughs> Paul Butler Lennox won. Oh, I got um, I got a ring. Okay, yeah. L- let us go out with one last bad joke. What's what's the joke there? Oh
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's not like like a batch from 1980 where it's like politically incorrect. <laughs> 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 All these Chinese jokes, yeah, yeah. Jokes and you're like, yeah oh. oh. <laughs> 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 okay. What does a frog do when his car breaks down?
1: Not, not a frog not a French person <laughs> no, no
0: what does an actual uh, frog do when his car breaks down I don't know he gets it towed away alright <laughs> that's good time to that
1: ok we'll go to Fergal Rock and we'll see you in the new year Merry Christmas Hello, <laughs> hello, Fergal Rock, thanks for coming in yeah. to the studio with us. Thank, thanks
2: for having me in, yeah.
1: How are you getting on? What are, what are you working on at the moment?
2: Uh, I just finished uh, a rewrite on a horror script that I'm developing with Screen Ireland and um, Fantastic Films. <laughs> uh, so, well, in case you're listening, I say finished. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: You finished that draft?
2: Yeah, finished that draft, yeah. So it's kind of sitting in a drawer at the moment and... Uh, I'll take that out next week maybe and have a look at it. I think there's a few things I need to tweak in this. But, um, yeah, so that was good. That was kind of hanging over me for a little while. I was trying to find a time to get back to it. And, um, yeah, so now it's kind of a case of uh, we are working with a script editor. So she'll look through it and we'll talk to the producers and the director and see how everybody's feeling about it. And... Um, But uh, yeah, I like it, so that's the main thing. Uh,
1: You're based in Berlin, but you kind of jump around a little bit. Could you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, well, I was in like I left Dublin, I think about two years ago, and kind of like sort of by necessity in a way. And I I was living in a house for I think about five years, and the rent was really cheap. Mm -hmm. And then of course, like a lot of people, the landlords wanted to move back in, and and so then you're kind of faced and when I was living there I had I was renting it was like two interconnecting rooms so I had an office and a bedroom so it was like perfect setup for work I had a filing cabinet and desks and all this kind of stuff and um, and then yeah so when I moved out of there I would have I would have been paying like twice as much rent really you know and then even trying to find a place in Dublin so um, I moved to Florence and lived there for a while yeah Mm. Uh, just like
1: an opportunity came up for
2: yeah well I lived there before and a friend of mine sort of found me somewhere to live pretty easily and quicker than I kind of anticipated and um, just because I was lucky enough to have work on I could work anywhere really like you know and so it was kind of an experiment to see you know could I do it and maybe even to see if I could find a place that I'd like to Settle in. Yeah. It wasn't really a plan to be a kind of nomad or anything like <laughs> that. But yeah. you know, I love Lawrence, But I, you know, after about three months, I was sort of ready for something else. And okay. um, but what was, I suppose what was good about it is that if you go somewhere for three months, uh, it's kind of a good length of time to sort of focus mm. on one or two things or whatever, yeah. and you have a sort of natural deadline, like you know. And um, but I was probably juggling a few too many things as well at that okay. time. Um, and then yeah, then I was in Sicily for a bit and I did Madrid and, and Berlin was just kind of an accident and I only went over for two months and yeah. still sort of there. So
1: <laughs> you've been there the longest of
2: all the Yeah, places. it was the yeah. first place where I was like, Yeah, I could really settle <laughs> right settle yeah. here. Um I mean it's just such a creative city, you mm-hmm. know. Um mm-hmm. it's very energetic and uh, I've been there <clears throat> a good Quite a few times, but only at uh, winter or Christmas. And um, so it's kind of an extraordinary place in the summer. It's just like really vibrant. Um, It's all like, you know, parks, outdoor, pools, people go to the lakes. It's Just Just a nice
0: work balance, life work balance. Yeah, that's exactly what it
2: is, you know. I think in most cities you're in, uh, work is certainly the priority, you know. And like a lot of people just spend their time you commute to work, you work there all day, you work till seven or something, then you go home, like, you know, and that's your day gone. And uh, and in Berlin, they don't necessarily have those kind of, uh, those big sort of office jobs aren't really there, you know. They're in other parts of, of Germany. Yeah. So I don't, like, I think I've only seen, like, one person in a suit in five <laughs> months. I was kind of like, where are, yes! all the, where are all the people in suits? And there's just, because usually, like, there's that area, like, yeah, you know, yeah. you just haven't been there or whatever. And, um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, like, a really... Like I think if you're in any way creative, you just really yeah. kind of uh, like the place. Like, yeah. you know, to me, it was a bit like if you, you know, somebody gives you a movie or a book to read and says, oh, I think you'll like that. And then you read it and it just feels like it was written for you. Like, right. Yeah, yeah. It sort of feels like it's a city that was tailored to my sensibilities or any creative yeah. person's sensibilities. And um And then, you know, it's close enough that it's easy to get back if Mm. I need to come back for meetings or whatever. And um, the
1: language isn't really... Yeah, like I... uh,
2: No, where where I've moved around, i lived in, like, three different areas now, and the first two, it was just, like... I was like, does anybody speak German here? It's just, like, constant English, really. Uh, But where I am now, it's much more... um, Uh, There's a lot more more German being spoken. But I did German in school, so I can get by, like, you know, uh, up into a point. (laughs) But, I mean... Zwei
0: großes Bier, bitte. Uh, Einmal Bier. Yeah. (laughs)
2: You you do your daily transactions easily enough. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And... uh, And they generally have a bit of English themselves. Yeah. I mean, like, the majority of places would. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, if you're anywhere central. Like, I was living in Mitte and... Like, you, you wouldn't really hear German. Like, I had right. two coffee shops near me that I used to work in, and uh, the first day I went in and ordered in my bad German, and the guy kind of served me in his bad German, and uh, he was Australian. You know? <laughs> I was like, all right, well, why are we speaking
0: Stop the charade! <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and uh, for some reason, all the baristas are Australian in, in Berlin, and, like, that's, there's a lot of Australians in there okay. in the city. And... Um,
1: and uh, other Irish creatives? Yeah,
2: although weirdly, I keep sort of missing that. Uh, there was a thing called Craw Festival there in June, uh, which I was, I went to for a little while, but I had friends coming in that weekend, and so I missed kind of a lot of it. But um, that was like uh, Irish theatre. They showed uh, Carpet Gangsters there. John okay. Connors was over for it. Um, and then there's a Shebeen uh, flick which is the Irish um, Film Festival in Berlin. They were screening Mm -hmm. films and uh, there was a lot of music. It was in a really, really cool venue. Um, and, uh, And so that was on, there was another kind of event for them on I think on Saturday, and I was back here, so okay. I just keep missing yeah, yeah. the. Uh, yeah, but there's a lot of uh, Irish creatives there. Yeah, I just haven't met
1: too many. Okay, of them. yeah, I have like five or six friends, musicians. Yeah, everybody writers, seems to know
2: and, them. Yeah. yeah, so I'm just waiting to kind of get in on this uh, on this loop, you know. Um, <laughs> or you sort you do meet people, and then it's just like almost like your first week in college—you just don't see them again, kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. um, but and then there's just so much happening like it is so diverse this city everybody's spread out i'd say it's actually a nightmare trying to put on an event because you're competing with so much right. stuff yeah. you know yeah um but there there are there are a lot of um especially musicians a lot of irish musicians mm. over there just because it's
1: affordable and
2: i think yeah. so yeah, yeah and especially more so in previous years i think it yeah. is getting a little bit more expensive yeah um it's there's a big culture there. I guess a bit like New York in terms of subletting yeah. apartments. So uh, it is a little transient in that you might get a place for two months or three months or mm. possibly you know six or seven months or whatever. But uh, you could end up just sort of moving around, um, just like going from sublet to sublet. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it's The cost of living is cheaper and rent is certainly cheaper than yeah. here now. You yeah. know. I mean, I think a lot of people. Uh, you know, we're just priced out of Dublin but yeah. also the fact that um, you can live there and work and still have time to work on your own whatever it is you're pursuing creatively you yeah. know, yeah. whereas here you would just be working to pay the rent, yeah. you'd be exhausted you wouldn't have time yeah. to do anything yeah. You know.
1: and is it an advantage to your writing being away?
2: Um, it's hard to know really because I was I was always very, I'm always, I'm pretty focused, like, mm-hmm. you know, work-wise. And I had, like, when I was living in Dublin for those five years anyway, I had a great setup where I was almost working too much in, the, yeah. in a weird way. Like, because like even when you're freelance, you're working from home anyway. But because I had that sort of office setup, it was just, like, get up in the morning, sit down, and then you're at work, you know. And, um, and I used to say it was, like, I uh, worked from home, but then it kind of felt like living in my office after yeah, a while, you yeah, know. Yeah. So part of going away was kind of to try and kind of get that work-life balance to yeah. a little bit better. And um, and then, yeah, I guess, like, the summer was almost, I wouldn't say a complete write-off, but um, it was so hot. Uh, it was kind of hard just to stay indoors <laughs> really? and write. And it, was, then, and it was a particularly hot summer. It was and really, well, I was, like, right. you know, hitting 30 degrees, yeah. like, or over 30 degrees most days, you know, and... Yeah. Uh, and maybe if the project was going well, that wouldn't have been too bad. But yeah. it was just if you can't, if you're not in it, it's just sort of like, oh, what am I doing? Like, you yeah. know, wasting, wasting my day, and there's so much to see and explore or whatever. So, um, so I was probably a bit frustrated for those first few months. But at the same time, you're, um, you know, there's writing when you're sitting down and actually creating pages, and there's writing when you're just wandering around, letting yeah. things settled in your yeah. head kind of thing so yeah. um mm-hmm. and th- kind of the stuff that i'm doing now i think i probably needed that kind of i wouldn't even call it a rest period because i was sort of chipping away at it but uh now like in september in my head i just kind of went all right september this is all gonna kick in and it'll it'll start getting good then i don't know why i believe that but it, <laughs> it did uh it worked out that way so yeah. september was all all work really and um yeah so i, I guess it's um I wouldn't say there's less distractions because there's just so much other stuff mm-hmm. to do there so but it is uh, I think what what is good about it is that maybe if when I was working here um, you know you'd just kind of be consumed a bit with work and you weren't looking around to see like there would be a gig on or whatever and you wouldn't even know about it until the next day or whatever and so yeah. now I'm just kind of like alright I'll work these hours and then this is kind of my time like yeah. you know so um And, yeah, I think you do – it gives you – you have space, I think, is what it is. Like, Mm. you know, um, I don't know that it would suit everybody, but, uh, yeah, it seems to work for me, you know. Mm. I kind of – I like it. Um, And you're constantly sort of um, stimulated because you're meeting new people, seeing new things all the time, Mm. you know. And and I think probably where it's good is that I probably have ideas for other stuff now that I'm not even kind of conscious of yet. but uh, Because I know I have two – or one thing anyway that I want to start soon that's an idea from Madrid but it's kind of only now where I'm like oh okay now I know what that is you know
1: yeah and And it's probably like a change is as good as a rest and you're sparking new ideas
2: I think so it keeps you you on your toes you know yeah Yeah. and you're just kind of seeing I think on some level you're responding to the world around you Mm. a little bit like you know and um, and yeah you're just picking up Kind of ideas and bits and pieces mm. all the time oh, different perspectives different, as different well. perspectives yeah. exactly yeah and and um uh yeah, i mean i I'd recommend it if you can if you can get <laughs> if, if you can figure it out a way it. How to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: if you want to spend less money generally and have a better quality of life don't be here
1: yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah don't have kids yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: it, yeah. yeah. I just
0: don't have any uh, attachments yeah, yeah. Uh, so how did it all start for you in terms of writing um,
2: uh, writing uh, I kind of got into film I was probably about seventeen I wasn't really into film before that I was I was more mm-hmm. into music and. Um, when I was in school, a friend of mine, Nick Callan, he was big into film. And uh, so I would give him albums to listen to, and he gave, he would give me movies. And uh, he, the first thing he gave me was Taxi Driver, which is like, just blew my mind. Really. Yeah. Like, I'd never seen anything like it. And uh, and I think uh, it was the first time I was even conscious of, of somebody directing a film, you know? Films mm-hmm. were just things... I kind of watched with my family or whatever. I didn't think too much about them. And, um, yeah, so that just kind of, that was sort of the gateway uh, drug, I guess. And he had all these, Scorsese was his guy, so he had all the Scorsese movies. And he had all the Faber and Faber books, like, with Paul Trader and, and Scorsese. So I just yeah. read all those. And um, and it, it kind of just clicked, I think, one of those things where you're like, oh, I could direct, you know, I could direct movies. Mm, yeah, uh, that seems like. Yeah, why didn't I think of that before kind of thing. And uh, and so that's what I wanted to do, was just be a director. And then um, at that time, this is like, well, when I went to college, it was like 95. You couldn't really do film. You could do film, I think, in Coleraine. And then there was a lot of communication courses in DCU and UCD. Mm. And I ended up going to Limerick to do uh, English and Media because you could do documentary filmmaking down there. Uh, which we were supposed to do in first year. And then on the first day, they were like, oh, we've changed that. So you're not doing that till fourth year now. So that was like a year of theory. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, All this boring stuff. Uh, But we did film studies uh, in that. And that's when I first saw the French New Wave films. Mm -hmm. And um, and and then sort of in the gap between going to college and uh, finishing school and college, the BBC did this thing for the 100 years of cinema where they would show, uh, they um, programmed 100 films and showed them across the year on BBC One and BBC Two. And uh, that was sort of like my film studies education. Like every week I would just get the TV guide and highlights. Yeah. And I I just watched everything, like, you know, and I wish I was still like that where I was open. There. Now I'm just so jaded. <laughs> I was like, ah, you're on Netflix going, I ah, don't want to watch that, I don't want to watch that. Mm. Uh, but then I was just so open and... Um, yeah, and it was amazing. And, like, so you, you watched, like, all the... One week it was Bringing Up Baby in The Philadelphia Story. Then it was, uh, I don't know, like, the Razor Red Lantern. Or, um, yeah, it was just, like, uh, an incredible amount of, mm. of, of different films. And, um, and so, yeah, then, like, at a certain point, I guess I realised I didn't know anybody at all involved in, in film. I didn't know any writers, and if I was going to direct something, I'd probably have to write it myself and... Um, and that was really when I started writing. And um, I did, I think I wrote a short script in in college in the BA. And then when I finished college, or maybe was it was my last year, I, just, I wrote a feature, which I think you could call it a feature. It was sort of like long, and, uh, but I didn't know anything about format really. Or but it
0: was like X amount of pages. Yeah, it was,
2: <laughs> there was a lot of pages and... Uh, and, it, yeah, so that was, and sort of once, even, like, it wasn't properly formatted or whatever, and it wasn't very good, I still did it. I got to the mm. end of it, you know, and that's yeah. a big thing, uh, just to even have done that, because then the next time it's not as scary. Yeah, you know, it's, you can like, just, that's a milestone. Yeah, I can do
0: that, so at the very least I can get to that
2: That's point. it. You hit yeah. the mark, and, and then you go again, kind of thing. And uh, and so then I just kind of, I quite liked it, and um, I just sort of got into it, like, where I was just, I was writing features, Really, before I even wrote short scripts properly, like you know, yeah. um, and then I did the MA in DIT in film theory and production, which took me three years to get into because they kept turning me down. And uh, where was that?
1: Sorry, in, in, in Angel Street, DIT Andrew, yeah. in Angel Street,
2: right. uh, which was great. Uh, I really enjoyed that, and um, and then so you met uh, like-minded people there, yeah. and. Um, you, are you working on our jobs? I uh, then, as well. Yeah, I was working in. Um, so, yeah, basically, when I came out of college in 99, all my. Like, for four years, I was just going, I'm going to go to DIT and be a director. Yeah. And then I went in to the interview and kind of told them that I'd made this whole documentary on my own and in college because nobody else really wanted to be involved, which was true to some degree. But I think they thought, oh, here's this guy. He just thinks he's going to do... Like, they were kind of like, oh, film's really collaborative. We want people who will work well together. Yeah. So I didn't get it. So then the next year I got interviewed again and I did the exact opposite <laughs> and said, oh, I'm a real team player, you know, I just want to work with other people. I still didn't get it. So, uh, and then I got in on the, the third time. But in the meantime, I'd gone to... It was kind of crushing in a way because like, I was just geared to this and I didn't really have a backup plan or anything and I ended up going to Galway because a lot of people were going there from college and uh, worked in the pound shop in on Main Guard Street there in Christmas season. And uh, Woo!
0: shout out to the pound yeah, shop, yeah, no more, it's
2: gone now, yeah, sad, sad to see it go, but uh, <laughs> still, I think I still have the jumper somewhere, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so that was pretty miserable. <laughs> and uh, then I worked in extra vision for like two days and then decided I'd, I was done with Galway and um, moved to Dublin. I was just doing tally sales, like I was in Aircom, right. working in tally sales, which actually turned into an okay job, uh, because. Well, I won't get into that, but it was uh, <laughs> financially it wasn't actually the worst. Yeah, the worst job to have at the time, and um, and yeah. So then when I was, went and did the masters, I switched to part time. I did evening work in Ericom and did the masters during the day, which was a little uh, tough at the start, just because a lot of the people in the course were straight out of um, college, and so you know they like most college, you just hang out and get to know each other after mm. after college, and I was going to work to try and sell broadband to people who didn't want broadband like you know so um and uh which is a
1: pretty new concept at the time as well (laughs)
2: yeah no we didn't even know what we were selling right yeah the people didn't even know really what the internet was like you know (laughs) really i think i did get one guy once who was way ahead of the curve in terms of uh he knew all about this like it was called isdn at that time right we didn't even call it broadband and uh we were trying to sell this thing and he was like, you're trying to sell me this thing that in America is, like, you know, 10 times as fast already or whatever. And all we had was, like, well, whatever was on the screen, which, which I learned is, to, like, yeah. deviate from. So, <laughs> lost that sale anyway. But I did sell uh, Gay Burns Sky Digital when I worked there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> cool. And I kept his home phone number for a while, but I deleted it because... Uh, <laughs>
0: That okay, one, lovely, uh, lovely. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, kind of. And then th- that, that call centre that everybody worked in, the Katie Centre. I wonder if that's still going on. Yeah, uh, yeah oh, just off of Jervis Street. Street yeah, yeah. yeah, A friend of mine worked there. Yeah. So I was in there as well uh, during the Masters. Maybe it was that summer I went in there and... Um, yeah, like, th- that place was weird. They bring you around and they're like, oh, this is the guy from the Redneck Manifesto. He does the accounts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No way. I think it was Redneck Manifesto. But it was all, yeah. like, yeah, kind of uh, creative people. Because yeah. it was, you could sort of pick your hours a little bit, I think. Um, but it was pretty, like, tally sales is horrible. Like, you know, it just really grinds you down and um but then so after the masters i think like within that year i just knew i liked editing a lot and i liked um production design but i knew i kind of didn't want to do camera stuff and i just knew i i I want to just focus on writing and um where dit on angel street is the dole office is across the road so uh (laughs) They just kind of give you your masters and go here, go in there, There over there. You exchange it over there for. (laughs) So yeah, signed on and uh, kind of sort of thought of that as uh, my salary, I suppose, for working like you know, for writing, like you know, and uh, just kind of. We've all been there, for yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So yeah, did that and. uh, so I guess the first year after college wasn't too bad because I did a film based short that got that got picked up and we made that and You got
1: to write and direct that? One. I wrote
2: and directed yeah, it was a s- script I'd written in college and uh, we did um, uh, so it was up for the 10 minute films we did two of those and uh, I was in college with Simon Fitzmaurice and his film oh, yeah. Full Circle got picked and um, Brian and another great director he did uh, a short film in that scheme as well. So um but I think mine was in third place. It didn't didn't get picked, but it was yeah. there. So it's kinda of there ready to go. Yeah. And uh film base picked it up and then everybody pretty much everybody in the course just worked on the the film and um and it was good. Really yeah. good experience. Uh didn't do huge business or anything yeah, afterwards. Yeah. It's kind of that thing when you get your first film base you're looking at um I think it was Daniel O'Hara's film is Adam Dumb maybe yeah. he was around there's always one of these films that's just and full circle as well yeah yeah. you're just like chuck off yeah and you're like okay now's my time and yeah. then you know tumbleweed sort of stuff like, have you yeah. gotten
1: to see um, It's Not th- Yet Dark Yet? I
2: did I saw yeah. it yeah weird Weird watching it yeah I'd say yeah yeah. Probably Actually, recognise the
1: time and all that yeah, yeah.
2: there's photos of like uh, Orla or Russell Conway who shot um, full circle and she shot my short film Henry and Sunday um she's in this photo of her on the yeah. set in there and yeah a lot of the early stuff um really it was it was that era yeah, yeah. you know the yeah. lot of the, the photos yeah. yeah and um yeah god i mean it was it was uh, it's, it's a pretty harrowing film yeah. like yeah. You know, yeah.
1: Well, yeah it was beautifully done
2: yeah no it's a really it's a it's a lovely film it's great kind of testament to him and his yeah. and you know he 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 left a legacy yeah. of work behind him, like you yeah, know, um, yeah. which isn't. I mean, I wouldn't make light of it in any way, but he had that uh, kind of stubbornness, even yeah. when, when I knew him. Like you yeah, know, yeah. he was. You could tell even on day one in the masters, like he was going to get out of there with a film. Hundreds. It was. It was going to happen anyway. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He was really, really focused yeah. and. uh and he was a great writer. Yeah, yeah. I kind of saw him as my competition at the time. Like, yeah, because you know, we were both. Everybody else was sort of doing, you know, some people wanted to direct, or other people were interested in doing the crew side of things. But I think me and him, maybe were, we were the only two, and maybe Brian, I suppose as well, um, were like really artur type. I wouldn't say artur, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you can say that. Yeah. Well, uh, well uh, I'm no, missing, you but writer missing, directors you know, been, really yeah. really pushing that angle. I'm, yeah. And Brian Dern, to be fair, he was he was going for that as well. So um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then uh, and weirdly, then I was up for um, film and base, I think in 2006, and I was up against Simon, and that was The Sound of People. Okay. And he got picked, and I didn't get picked again. So. Right. right. <laughs> but that's a good film, too. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I think yeah. I texted him before and wished him luck and said, I like your title, and he said he liked my title. So <laughs> that was probably the last time. Yeah. You know, maybe last time I was in touch with him. Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah. Um,
1: did you. Did it take you long to find your kind of your voice as a writer?
2: Yeah, uh, it did. Uh, kind of because I was uh, obsessed with Hal Hartley, who's this New York filmmaker who was big in the in the 90s. And uh, so I first saw him when I was in, uh, still in school. They showed it on Channel 4 when Channel 4 was still good. It <laughs> um, was a film called Trust. And uh, yeah, it was incredible. I just like. A bit like Taxi Driver, then the next one was really trust and uh, just fell in love with his films. um, But he has a very specific style. Uh, The dialogue is very um, almost elliptical. It's always kind of turning around on itself. And then he choreographs a lot. So the characters are almost, they're always in motion. and, uh, And then he kind of shoots an interesting way. He was very, very influenced by French New Wave and Goddard in particular, but I hadn't seen those films at that point. So it was all really new to me. And then later I saw like Goddard and I was like, oh, hang on a minute. This looks familiar, you know. <laughs> so uh, so he was, um, but yeah, so all my early stuff just sounded like his stuff. Like, really? you know? And he had uh, all his uh, kind of male characters uh, just wear like dark black suits and smoke and drink black coffee and walk around with like, uh i don't know always constantly reading you know like it's so weird like just to see a, a film of somebody reading like a in a scene yeah like jim Jarmusch does it all the time as yeah. well but um yeah so all my early stuff was just like dudes in black suits smoking and drinking black right. coffee and yeah, yeah. uh and so yeah it took me a while to kind of get get that out of my system i suppose and um and then all the early features, yeah, there were just sort of like versions of films that I liked. You mm. know, this is kind of, I had one that was a bit like Go and I had one that was like um, kind of Lentana or something like that. But, um, but I remember even, I think even Paul Thomas Anderson said it, like about Punch Drunk Love was the first one, first film he wrote that felt like it was his film and not mm. sort of... Uh, an ode in some way to the films that he loved, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and
1: what's your what was the the first project that you can look back on with that kind of
2: um I don't know because I think it all just sort of creeped in a little bit. Uh I did a do a script um which was called The Colour is love and it was uh, I guess, yeah, you know, it was kind of romantic and it had a sort of melancholy quality to it and they were kind of like, they sort of became my hallmarks a little bit, okay. yeah. And, uh, but I think now my stuff has maybe changed again, like um, where it's the hue. well, like the, the melancholy thing is kind of in, in everything, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so maybe that one, yeah. And then everything after that sort of, I guess, stayed in, in that kind of vein, you know, but um, but it was my thing was like all along and maybe it was the Hartley thing, but my writing always slightly leaned um, towards America. It, ne- it never really felt like Irish. I right. couldn't really write what I thought was an Irish film. It just mm-hmm. didn't seem to to work for me. But um, and I think that was just because I was interested in writing films that were uh, I suppose now you could say like what somebody like Wes Anderson does you know or even Tarantino where it's like resembles reality but it's not reality you know yeah. but we didn't have a there was no kind of precedent for films like that in Ireland mm. you know um, you could maybe say you could probably say the McDonald's do it now you know mm. uh, with however you feel about those films but yeah. um, you know uh At that time, there wasn't... um, Reference. No, and then I think when people read the scripts, also, like, you're kind of an unproven writer and you're sending something in that's um, different and probably not as clear on the page as you think it is, you know? Um, So, yeah, probably, you know, that kind of, I would think, went against me. (laughs) Like a casualty
0: of the limitations of what was... capable of being produced here
2: yeah and maybe it was just one of those things where like i just i should have been more uh strong-minded about kind of even like again proof of concept wasn't a thing now everybody has a proof of concept where you can see oh okay it might look like this kind of thing you know Mm, but um yeah just in those days it was just like you just sent in the the uh, application and then Waited until the rejection letter came, <laughs> like you know. Uh, yeah. I don't and think then, it's changed that much. Yeah, really. <laughs> but I think because I wrote a lot and I always wrote fast, that usually by the time I sent in in that sort of window where you're waiting, I was already on to the next yeah. thing. Yeah. and so when the rejection came in, I was like, "Oh, never mind. Here's this one," you know. And I was mm. just kind of constantly sending in stuff to yeah. the point where I, you know, surprised I didn't get a cease and desist letter at some point like you know. Um,
1: <laughs> but you did get. You did get fund, films funded in that time and...
2: uh I did just a just a film base and then uh everything else was just like I got shortlisted mm. it did interviews for film base a couple of times uh did signatures interview um did film base again after that for for a different one and uh I didn't get uh, film board funding until um about three years ago, i think okay yeah are
1: you would you say you're resilient when it comes to rejection?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's that part of the podcast, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just get on with it, really. Like, yeah. you know. Um,
0: do you have a way of coping, or
2: uh, I mean, again, uh, consciously, or do you just? Uh, I think it just you just it evolves. Like the first t- first few times, uh, like there's different ones as well. Like with the like I say with the film board stuff, um, because I was already knee deep in the next script. I didn't really mind that much like you know um the only thing was is i was kind of hoping for that money to live on you know mm-hmm. it was kind of more about uh maybe i could have some money as opposed to getting the film made like you know that was yeah. that was almost the the goal i wasn't even thinking far enough ahead about how we'd uh, go about yeah getting this film uh made but um the yeah, so that's stuff was okay. The film-based ones were always the toughest because y- when you get to the interview stage, you've done so much prep and work that you're ready to go, you know. Like, mm. and uh, and you know, three at that time it was like three get picked, so seven if you don't, it's it's, it's um, they're just the odds, you know. Um, but it was more that kind of you were so close, you know. Mm. And uh, and then in a weird way, it almost felt like that project was kind of dead because they didn't really want you mm-hmm. to like if you didn't get picked that time yeah because often it was the same panel and I never applied for Galway and Cork but often it was the same panel mm. you know so yeah it was just that kind of like that bullseye moment where it's like here, here's what you could have won kind of thing and uh,
1: sometimes that's a marker if you get a rejection and you're kind of you're like, not that bothered, or that project that kind of dies, that's kind of a sign. Sometimes you get the rejection, well, I'm going to make this anyway.
2: Yeah, actually, you well, know? weirdly, that's ended when, that's how I kind of got back into filmmaking because um, like at one point I was working, I had a C scheme job in the RDS library, and uh, then I ended up staying on there and doing uh, kind of digital archive work with them. So I think I was probably there for about five years, and Sort of like within that five years, it was sort of like started, I was still writing, writing, and then eventually it was kind of like not really writing that much. Well, I was probably writing, but I just wasn't submitting stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. I remember this one film base when I was up for, uh, like I was, in the RDS library, they're lovely in there, but uh, everybody who goes in is kind of retired people who just liked the chat or whatever, like, you know, (laughs) and they were, they were great. I I had a great time in there. Yeah. But, uh, I, I I foolishly told everybody, uh, that I was up for this award or whatever, like this funding thing and everybody's wishing me luck or whatever. And then of course you don't get it. And then for the next two weeks, it's like your grandparents constantly asking you, did you get that? Did you get that? Did you get that? And I was kind of like, all right, I'm done. (laughs) I'm (laughs) I'm not putting in for anything else. And, uh, and so I kind of, like, slipped out of film a little bit at that right. point. And then uh, Russell Conroy, who I mentioned earlier, she got a grant uh, to get her on camera. And um, part of that, uh, the stipulations, was that she produced a film or delivered a film. And uh, so she said to me, we should make Henry and Sonny, which was a short I'd written in college and which had been up for the film base. Uh, but I... We didn't get it. I, I wasn't going to direct it. Somebody else was going to direct it. And uh, so I thought, oh, okay, let's... Well, I didn't. I at first I thought, there's no way we can do this for no money kind of thing. Like, you know, but... Um, then that's what we ended up doing, and it was a great experience. And, um... And, uh... Why did I bring that up? Sorry,
0: <laughs> rejection.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, so there you go. Yeah, so, so that's uh, how you
0: cope by so th- eventually getting funding.
2: Yeah, that's it. So you just went and did it anyway. Yeah, yeah. but I think cause when I was growing up, uh, like even in the masters, we shot everything on film, we edited on film. Mm. So that kind of mentality of oh, you can just go and make a film for no money. Just I just couldn't even see how that was possible. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then just when we when that was the only way to make the film, then. Um, suddenly it was it was really doable, you know. Yeah. But thanks to the people who worked on it, you know. Yeah. Um but it was a real it didn't even feel like making a film. It was just like hanging out with your friends and yeah. uh and doing this thing that we all liked. And um and weirdly enough that one actually did pretty well. Like, yeah. you know, played yeah. in a lot of festivals. And um and then I, it got into a festival in LA and uh I went over and um while I was there I met a guy who um he was nominated for best unproduced screenplay, and so I, I liked. I loved LA, and I liked the festival. And I thought, "Oh, I'll go back and write a, a script and uh, get back here next year," kind of thing, like you yeah. know. And that was when I wrote what is now um, then came you. That was how that came about. Cool. Yeah.
1: So, uh, yeah, tell us a bit about so then came you is a film that's been produced, but it started out uh As a script that you submitted to script writing competitions, mm. is that right?
2: yeah, so I wrote as like I was saying there, like nothing was really going f- for me in terms of um writing and directing, so I just thought oh, okay, I'll just write something for somebody else and try and get that up and running yeah. and then um and then maybe use that as like to put myself in the shop window kind of thing yeah. and uh so i wrote I wrote this script and uh i trying to remember if I put it into the film board at that point. For some reason I put it into the Blue Cat Screenplay Contest. So yeah. I'm not entirely sure. This would be a very competitive... It's a big, yeah, yeah, and I, I was aware of it or whatever. Well, I know why I did that one specifically. It was because it was um, Gordy Hoffman runs it who's Philip Seymour, the late Se- Philip Seymour Hoffman's brother. And he'd written uh, a script for a film called Love Liza that um, Philip Seymour Hoffman is in and uh, I really love that film. And I knew he was sort of a kind of indie guy like mm. you know and I thought of the script as a kind of indie script and uh, so I thought it, it might go further there than saying in um, like Final Draft had won but they always seem to be kind of big action movies or mm-hmm. something um, or more Hollywood I suppose and um, so yeah I put it in and uh, it got like I think the quarterfinals, semifinals, semi-finals and yeah. then eventually it won so um, so that was good because it was
1: a cash prize.
2: got a free MacBook Pro Nice. Which died two weeks ago. <laughs> three oh. weeks ago, yeah. How many years did you get out of it? Eight years, yeah. Oh, nice. Wrote everything on that.
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be the like life. I had one for about eight. Yeah,
2: uh, yeah. they just had that self destruct button yeah. in there, yeah. Damn, I wouldn't. Yeah, I could kind have of missed it now. But uh, <laughs> So, yeah, it was time. I, w- I was kind of procrastinating on getting the new one. But um, yeah, you could have got a cash prize or, or the MacBook Pro. Okay. So So, um, at the time, I would like a terrible. Computer in this, I thought, oh yeah, I got the MacBook. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then I put it in just because, off the back of that, I thought, mm-hmm. oh, maybe there's some money to be made in these screenwriting competitions. <laughs> and uh, I put it in for the as well and the Zoetrope uh, yeah. screenwriting award. And I got to the semifinals, no money or, or computer there. But okay. um, <laughs> then just because of that, I was kind of like, oh, okay, well, like that's too, it seems like there's something in this. Yeah. And uh, the big one is the Academy Nichols Fellowship in Screenwriting, and uh, I hadn't entered that before because I kind of just thought, oh, I don't know if I'm at that level, maybe, like, yeah. you know, and then... Um, and that's
1: well, the same people who are on the Oscars. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: it's affiliated with the Oscars. Um, and also, at the back of my head, I just knew, even though the script had won the Blue Cat and was in the same I just knew it wasn't quite, like, I, could, I knew it could be better, you know? Yeah but I didn't really want to do anything on it. So I put it in for the nickel and I got to the semifinals of cool. the back of that. Yeah. And that's, that was the one nobody really... In Ireland, people took notice of the other two, but it, the, in America, the nickel was the one. So right. I started getting emails from managers and um, yeah. companies and uh, this company, BCDF Pictures, uh, got in touch and asked to read it. And um, then they read it and then they optioned it off the, off the back of that.
1: Did you tell us this story?
2: Yeah, the story is about... Uh, originally it was called Calvin and Sky. That was the title when it won the competitions. And Calvin is... Um, well, I'm trying to think, should I tell you what it was or what it became? Anyway, he's a he's a hypochondriac uh, baggage handler. He works in the airport. This is sort of the film version, I suppose, uh, with his family. And uh, he's convinced he's, he's going to get cancer. Um, and so he's always constantly he has his notebook where he records all these, uh, his pulse and his symptoms and things like this. And uh, his doctor has run all these tests. There's nothing physically wrong with him. And uh, so to try and gain, give him some perspective, they suggest he goes to um, a support group for uh, cancer patients. Um, And so this is sort of his worst fear, really, like, you know, but, and he doesn't want to do it, but he he does it. And uh, because his dad is you know, they're kind of working class, blue collar guys. And his dad has spent all this money on all these tests, you know, for something that he never had in the first place. And so um, he he goes to the uh, support group. And just as he's about to leave, this uh, girl, Sky, comes in and she's a terminally ill uh, teenager. And uh, so she there's only one seat left, of course, and it's the free seat beside him. And so... It, it, She now is kind of his worst nightmare because uh, she's like completely up in his face and she wants to know what they're doing. And and, uh, so her thing is that she kind of just goes around to different support groups, more or less antagonizing everybody (laughs) there. And uh, she's really um, like she comes across as fearless. But of course, as the film goes on, you realize it's all a front. And her thing is that obviously her parents are devastated, but you know they can't they almost can't even look at her without breaking down, and her friends are kind of freaked out about it, so they don't really so she's lonely really like yeah. you know, and he's a pushover, so uh mm. she has uh, what's called a to die list, which is this list of things she wants to do before she dies, but it's all stupid stuff like um shoplifting or uh, getting arrested and just and, and- so she rubs him into helping her with the with this list and uh and so, as I go through all these things, he starts to come out of his shell and um and then, yeah, I maybe won't say much more than that because it kind of spoils what happens yeah, but yeah. but it's a, it's a friendship story of friendship really, between these two people and um and how they're not they they start off seeming like polar opposites, but then as it goes on, you realize they're not so different, you know, and they mm. learn from each other, you know um so, it's really, I, mean the whole, all along the idea was to write something that was, uh, kind of funny and sweet, but not, like, sentimental or mm-hmm. saccharine. Hulk, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully, yeah, and try to avoid anything that was sort of cliche, and so the tone of it is quite, I wouldn't say, it's not, I wouldn't say it's dark, but it's very irreverent, you know, yeah. um, and, uh, and so, yeah, comic and poignant was really what we, what we wanted, you know, and, uh, and it seems to have worked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think.
1: And what the production company so there, New York based company. What did yeah. they kind of
2: upset New York? Yeah.
1: Did they kind of pitch uh, to you what they were going to do with the film?
2: Yeah, uh, their pitch to me was like, uh, we would like to make this if you don't direct it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was. Sort of, oh. They said it in a much nicer way. They were kind of feeling around, but it, just weirdly, that was the script I'd written that I didn't want to direct. You know, it was for some. It was always for somebody else to right. direct. So I wasn't attached to it in any way, like mm. uh, in that sense. Mm. And um, and so, yeah, I mean, I don't know that they, they were interested in it. They seemed like a really good company. I read an article uh, around that time where they were like, I don't know, it was like top five or top ten new production companies. Yeah. They'd done a movie called Liberal Arts with... Um, What's that? Is it Josh Radner, the guy from How I Met Your Mother, or something like that, which mm. I'd seen, and and um, Elizabeth Olson's in it, and uh, the, I just liked them. They they were very indie. Actually, what one thing they did pitch to me was uh, Hal Hartley had been up on their uh, facilities. You're Jim like, was, oh my god! And Jim Jarmusch was up there as well. So <laughs> like, I was like, all right, that's that's good enough for me. So, <laughs> but their setup is incredible. Uh, they uh, they're Company is on an, uh, what used to be an Arabian horse farm. Right. And so they live there in the middle. And well, everywhere in upstate New York seems like it's in the middle of nowhere, but it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. And uh, they have all their edit suites there. They have this huge barn where all they keep all the props from all their films, uh, which could be a soundstage. It's not a soundstage yet. And, um, and then they shoot all their films kind of in that area where they're from because uh, there's. Tax breaks now, or whatever, and everybody shoots up there, like there's and every you know kinda nearly anybody you could think of actor wise lives in that area, like because uh, really? it's just like an hour and a half outside of New York, yeah mm-hmm. um but uh yeah, they go crazy for that place, like wait lazy Ireland like <laughs> <I was laughs> like we have all of this stuff, <laughs> right. you know? not the Arabian horse farm part, but yeah, yeah, just like lots of trees and fields, you yeah, know yeah. It's kinda that's, good. not that different, yeah, um, I love it.
1: so the film. Got made. Yeah. It a big cast.
2: Yeah, what happened was they optioned it, and then nothing really happened for a right, while. It was right. just kind of like uh waiting sort of thing. And then um, I, was, I would say it was nine months or something later, they got in touch and said they had a director who they just, I mean, now I know, I didn't know this at the time, but they're all friends. They all live in the same area, and they've worked together for years. Um, so Peter Hutchins was the director that came on and they pitched him to me they said oh I think you really like him because he, he uh, where did he go I think he like Yale or somewhere like he he's a, he's a very super smart guy like he's an intellectual but like I thought it was interesting they were pitching him to me as like this scholar rather than this like you know crazy director kind of dude right like, you know because uh, he writes as well of course okay. so, um, so I had a Skype call with him and uh, we just talked about the script and and um, so yeah, what I didn't mention there was when I wrote it and it won the competition. The Calvin character was uh, like late thirties; he was kind of like a Paul Giamatti sort of character, or he was a bit like um, Steve Buscemi's character in Ghostface, or what Ghostworld? Ghost Ghostface. Swarp, yeah. Ghostface yeah. Showing the Wu Tang there. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, so um, his thing was like maybe we if we aged it down, it would have more appeal as um, uh, in terms of uh, commercially or whatever, like you know. And so originally he was going to be like. I was a bit wary of this at the start because a lot of the humour seemed to be tied up in the fact that this guy was like completely inappropriately older than this. There was I mean, it was never a romantic thing, Mm. which was always something I was kind of keen to preserve, you know, but suddenly it was like, oh, now he might be 26. Like, he was just getting into this odd area. And uh, I think that The Faults and Our Stars had been out by now and they were looking at... These guys made a lot of money. Yeah, uh, we need to replicate of. that formula. Yeah, so I think it was a little, and then I, that was even more like alarm bells kind of for me. But then he said, uh, you know, the character would be a bit like a Jesse Eisenberg character, and that just clicked because I thought, oh, well, that's just like a younger version of what I have, sort yeah. of thing, you know. So then it was easy to kind of rewrite it for him. And then, but then Aza Butterfield was cast, and he was like 19, so suddenly he was like alright well now they're, like, they're almost the same age <laughs> like you know uh, and so I suppose I was like nobody was kind of going let's get them together like that wasn't the, the thing but um, it, it, but, and weirdly what it is now is like that it, It's it feels like it's a this beautiful story about friendship but um, maybe if things were different their story would be different you know what I mean but um,
0: but just a different version yeah you know
2: yeah and it, and it's just, but he's like he is kind of like an older brother, and you find something out to her about her uh, his backstory in in the film, and it sort of makes a lot of sense. Uh, and he's older
1: than his years, and
2: yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. And uh, we messed his hair, so he looks <laughs> he looks older. So uh, but he so he plays Calvin, and Maisie Williams plays uh, Sky, yeah. and they're amazing. Like yeah. they just, uh, but they knew each other, or they know each other, so they were they had instant chemistry like you know and uh, even like the first week I went over for the shoot and um, the first week was just like watching the characters like you know and it was so weird because I'd never had any interest in directing the films I'd never really I mean I write visually anyway uh, and so I I suppose I'd seen the film in my head during the writing process but everything was just like I I probably would have done it that way you know it's just like everything was uh, it's working yeah you know mm-hmm. and the production design we had a great production designer on it Uh it just, everything just made complete sense to me you know that's great and up until like the shoot because at one point it was going to be in South Africa Uh for tax reasons they were going to shoot there because their money would go further and so I had to go and rewrite the script for South Africa even though nobody me out South Africa to see what that was like but uh, <laughs> so we did that and <laughs> the uh, accents yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah wrote,
0: yeah. wrote hello, mate but it was weird <laughs>
2: yes. because you couldn't change like anything really there was only like these tiny places in the script where you could even uh, reference yeah you know and but you kind of wanted to feel like it wasn't just shot there for tax reasons you were trying to figure out a way to make it to be- bet it down there yeah, yeah, and explain why these people were there in the first place and I did loads of work on that, which at the time felt like kind of microsurgery or whatever. Like, And then yeah. it was like, oh, it's fine. We're going to do it in New York after all. <laughs> and I was like, all right, great. Nobody's going to read that stuff now. So, But anyway, I was happier that it was in New York. You know? Yeah. But well, it was, now
1: if you ever go to South Africa, you know the culture.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. I know all the research now and uh, I've seen pictures. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so that will... Get a release later this year?
2: Yeah, uh, possibly next year. I'm, I think yeah. it'll be out. Yeah, so it has a premiere in the Woodstock Film Festival on the twelfth of October this week, yeah. and uh, then um, it's I think it's shown twice at that, cool. and then it'll be out at some point. Cool. Yeah, in the well, new, in Let the us future. know. Yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um,
1: so, what are you working on at the moment?
2: Uh, I'm doing a book adaptation which I can't really say too much about but that's I started that was mainly why I went to Berlin was to work on that and I spent I got like about halfway through it and it just it wasn't really working I didn't wasn't quite sure why and so I kind of stepped away from it and then sort of went on to the horror script and now I've kind of figured out what's wrong with the book so I'm going back to that Um, so I'm just going to try and get that done as soon as I can and then I'm co writing a script with Michael Canarns, um, which is in development with the Screen Ireland as well. And uh, So he'll direct and Yeah, for co- Michael to yeah. yeah. So um we're just trying to coordinate schedules because he's really busy as well. yeah uh, What's honor would you put that in there? Uh I think we were calling it uh psychological thriller. Mm. Uh, I've seen it written as a psychosexual thriller. but uh-huh. uh, <laughs> So one of those I think. I used to call it my French art house script because that's sort of what I was going for when uh, when I kind of came up with the idea for it. But um, yeah, I guess it's a psychological thriller. Yeah, Sort of like uh, those um, French movies that uh, are based on like Ruth Rendell crime novels or whatever where they sort of just take the the genre framework and mm. then it's almost like a character study a genre film that's a character study as opposed to just um, it's more about the character than say the crime element if you like you know like uh, a Motivar's film um, uh, Live Flesh is, a, is kind of an example of that mm-hmm. and um, yeah so that, it's in that kind of rim. yeah, yeah. And when
1: you get a script when you're it's going through the development process with Screen Ireland it's kind of drafts, 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 and then is there a point where it's kind of reviewed and we're going to take this to production? Or
2: Yeah, I haven't got to that point yet, okay. but uh, yeah, I think that's getting close. Right, <laughs> yeah. and does
1: it come to a point where it's going to be a yes or no kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, I think so, yeah, right. yeah,
2: yeah, I think so. So, um, yeah, and it's tricky because when we went in, the two projects I had uh, start originated with... Uh, Rory called Martin, who was in there as a project manager, mm-hmm. and now he's since left, and mm-hmm. so we're working with a new project manager. And there was a big kind of window there, in the transition phase, mm-hmm. where they were just trying to get up to speed. So you know, and they're across all these different projects. So there was just a,
0: a little little bit of lag in yeah, between, you know.
2: know. And and uh, and then you're almost, I wouldn't, you're not starting from scratch, but you're just trying to. It's just that you have somebody who cares about the project and is passionate about it. And, and the dad's gone away. Yeah, they're gone and so you're just kind of pitching yourself back to the new project manager. But the the project manager on board mine is 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 excellent. So um great. And seems to be receptive to to them. So um yeah, I don't know to be honest how those decisions are made. Mm. Like is it based on the project or the slate of projects that are there at that time, yeah. you know, at that stage. So we'll have to see, yeah.
1: Uh, And do things like seeing who you can attach do they come into it? Cast helps I think yeah yeah. yeah.
2: so if you have um, yeah I mean I think Mm -hmm. if you get um, somebody I don't can't even think who but if you get like somebody (laughs) really good it's kind of like oh yeah of course you would make that film
0: Paul fishing for like proper the people who are really attached there he's like and if you get a name
2: (laughs) (laughs) I have no excuses for you (laughs) yeah he's Uh, too
1: wide do you so are you Constantly coming up with new ideas—is that ever a problem? No. Does the, the, does man, the well ever run dry?
2: Not, well, I w- probably was a little jaded there in Dublin before I left, because uh, yeah. I write for TV as well. Like that's, a, I write for Fair City, and so that's a huge. That can be kind kind of time consuming as well, mm. and so I didn't necessarily have it's the space. Yeah. To uh, to come to kind of have new ideas, you know, and that sort of gets. I suppose what's good about Berlin is just having that so that you just wander around and um, suddenly, it's not even new ideas, it's just you have time to kind of process the ideas you had, like, so Mm. I have three things that are kind of ready to go that I want to start working on Um, and sometimes it's just a case of uh, what's the best use of your time, like, you know And
1: is there anything that you've kind of learned from, say, doing Fair City as, you know
2: city is great from the point of view of um when you're w- with like film stuff you're you're their writer mm-hmm. on City you're a writer you know you're part of this huge machine yeah. and uh it it doesn't hang around and wait for you to get inspired you know yeah. you just have to deliver <laughs> deliver the work and uh but it's really nice to be working with in that kind of collaboration you work with script editors a lot yeah. um i think and also, you're not necessarily writing uh, to your own taste. The show is the show, and you you have to write um, for that, and um, uh, which is good. But uh, so I think w- what was good about the show is that it's uh, it's like kind of um, your day job is writing. So you're always kind of oiled, you know, in yeah, a way. Like, yeah. you don't necessarily have those weeks where you're like, oh, I should really get started on that next yeah. project you know yeah. and, and cuz you only really have a window in between yeah. rewrites with Fair City or between episodes so you're like okay I have this block now that's my time and you just jump straight on it like you know yeah. um but it's di- it's very difficult to go from one to the other I think I, yeah. f- I found that yeah right. it's just a completely different process yeah. yeah
1: yeah um is there any advice you wish you'd been mm-hmm. given when you were starting out
2: uh, <laughs> I don't know I was probably given advice and I just didn't <laughs> listen to it really. Maybe um,
1: ignore advice
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: there was always that bit when you went to those master classes and uh, they asked that question and I was always waiting for this big you know yeah. the, the, something that was going to be helpful and Inside. it was never yeah. useful if there
0: was a god at the at those pearly gates yeah. uh, what would you say to
2: him? the best one was when Robert Town did the master class and somebody asked him how do you get your script made kind of thing and he was like well, I just ring up Jack Nicholson, and uh, you know that was his <laughs> his advice. Yeah, it's real help, Robert. it. Yeah. <laughs> I would say like uh, just you know keep doing the work, kind of thing, is because is and be patient. Like it takes a long time for things to happen in the industry, not always. Like, but uh, even if it happens for you fast, the, the what happens then is like you your first script lands or whatever, like. And now everybody wants the next one, you know, mm. so you just need to, if it's writing, you just need to keep writing and yeah. have as many, um, irons in the fire as you can, you yeah. know, yeah. and, um, and rewrite, actually, that was the one, I'm sure people told me to rewrite, but, uh, it took me a long time to get good at that, yeah. you know, yeah. I would just write first draft, move on to the next thing, you yeah. know, uh, and, uh, I think it really, yeah, once I started rewriting, my writing got a lot better, yeah. um, and, uh, yeah, that's kind of, like, the biggest thing. Keep generating the work and, uh, and you know.
0: Fail better. Yeah, yeah, I mean,
2: that's it, yeah, you know. Um, oh, and alternatively, if you're not enjoying it, get out and do something <laughs> else, you know, because it isn't, nobody says you have to, yeah, uh, yeah. to make it, but yeah. I was kind of like...
0: No one has a gun to your head, well, unless you're Paul Sheldon and Kathy Bates. Yeah, anything, you know. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah well I, mean, I didn't really have anything else i i could do so i just stuck at it you know yeah, um, yeah. but yeah uh and and sort of don't um especially with writing actually don't isolate yourself like because even if your work is great you have to get it out there like you mm-hmm. know and now i think it's a lot easier um to make connections like you know but just get out there and meet people and and um not even in a networking way, but because Ireland is so small, like, you know, yeah. uh, just kind of meet people and. Um,
1: who are in the same boat and you can.
2: Yeah, and yeah. then you can do stuff together or whatever. And um, and then, you know, or even like if you want to get your stuff read, I mean, there's other people who could give better advice than this by production companies. Uh, like, one thing that I did, which is probably a mistake, was I, I never. I never was in the room. You know, I would send stuff in, but I was just a name, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, I think if I'd um, tried harder to meet people mm. in person, then mm. they get a sense of who you are and what you're about. and
0: Maybe things would have got going a little yeah, quicker, or I, different. I think you know? so, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Um, or, <clears throat> you know, maybe they you can just explain the thing to them, because maybe it's just not coming off on the page the way you think it is or whatever. And, um and yeah, then and then you're a person. Uh, you know, once you're in the room, you're a person. So then they have to kind of deal. Yeah, with it's harder it. to reject someone in person. Yeah, I mean they can <laughs> still they can still do it, but. Uh, yeah. Oh, I know. But then, but I think what it is is you're. Uh, I don't know. There's like you've made even if they're saying no, you still made a connection there. You know, and then the next time you said something in, they're like, "Oh, that's that guy." You know, as opposed to just. A name on a on a sheet or whatever. So I think maybe yeah, if I'd I'd done that earlier on, maybe um, I don't know. I'm not sure if it would have made a difference, but it might have. You know. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, cool. Well, thanks very much for coming in. We no re- really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, so best of luck with all your projects. Thanks yeah. Continued really success.
2: Thanks very much. Thanks very much.